Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MedTech Impact Podcast, where you get to hear from leaders and innovators who are shaping the future of medical technology. I'm Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Mikkeljohn. And we're your hosts of the show. So today we're delighted to welcome to the show CEO of Deep Loop Medical, Marissa Fair. Marissa, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. We are delighted. I feel like uh, nearly every event I've been going to, I've been seeing you. You are there every place. You know, you are just at the center of the medtech world. So we're super excited to have you on and tell the story of what Deep Blue Medical do. Uh, as always, to set the scene, we love to kick things off by please tell us the problem that Deep Blue Medical is looking to solve. Yeah, so Deep Look Medical, we are um, enhancing medical imaging with revolutionary software. And the problem really is, is that there's almost 300 million um, annual diagnostic medical imaging tests that occur. Two million people get diagnosed with cancers every year. And it's really costly, especially when you have all of these medical imaging tests and the radiologists are exhausted and burnt out. There's not enough of them. So they need tools to help them better do their job. And so um, that's very much what DeepLook is all about. And um, we have our first product, which is FDA cleared called DL Precise, which is a one-click measurement segmentation and visualization tool. And it really helps the radiologists and oncologists be able to better visualize their existing scans. So we work across ultrasound, mammography, CT, and MRI, and across all health conditions to make sure that there's accurate and efficient data for them to make it easier to do their jobs so that they have um, they have the visual tools when they're looking at all of these um, images because there's so many, like there's 300 million that happen every year. Um, this is also incredibly important in breast and breast mammography because 50% of all women around the world have dense breasts. And there's like nothing you can do about it. You're just, it's genetics. And unfortunately with dense breasts, you can't see inside or if there's a mass behind the density. And that's really the problem. So we can with our tool and we can see through the density, which allows for better and faster um, visualization and giving the physicians additional information for them to better uh, do their job. This is so exciting. And I, and I think when you talk about the value add for the patients and the physicians, but um, yeah, sorry, the patients I wanted to touch on here, because I imagine when you look at an x-ray, you know, it's hard. Like if you're not trained in what to see, I, I think the value add, because you're adding this color and this depth, even for the patients, you can start to tell a true story and help them understand. Like, yeah, that's so very much. And that's where we want to go. So obviously, first and foremost, you know, you always go first to the physicians and the doctors, and then we go next to the patients. Like we eventually, are, you know, our further products are going to be integrating personalized medicine and integrating um, patient EHRs and, and, and taking the information they have and also being a tool that the physicians can show their patients. It's really exciting, you know, for them to be like, oh, okay, I understand now why you want to cut that out. Or, you know, on the other side, if you're having oncology treatments and you're suffering through the side effects, it's really good to know very concretely, is this working or not working? Is this shrinking? Is it not? Um, and, and we're going to get to a point where they can show them that. And it takes, it gives the patients 
more information. And it it's not that it makes them trust the doctors more, but it gives patients like they have the information in their hands so that they can also make a better decision to say, you know what, this is working. I'm going to suffer through the side effects for a few more rounds to really shrink it even more. And we're not we're not there to say, yeah, it's working, it's whatever. We're giving the visualization of the tools so that everyone has the information. And also with measurement and the outside borders of malignancies, it's really hard to measure. And right now it's done manually, which can vary doctor by doctor. It can vary time of day. Somebody's tired, has had their coffee, hasn't had their coffee, you know, and, and that fraction of a millimeter is is a difference and could show something's grown, something hasn't, something's shrinking, something hasn't. And that's the exciting part, um, especially of the future. Yeah, and I think this is so important to raise, uh, particularly given it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you know, people are aware of the prominence of this disease uh, and again, how it affects not just women, but men. And so, yeah. you know, 1% of breast cancer is men and, and not that I want to detract in any way from you know how this affects women, but it's just worth highlighting that this is something that can affect both men and women. Yeah, one in eight, and that's actually trending now, one, one in seven women are gonna have breast cancer as well. Wow. And again, it doesn't, and, and this is again, nothing against men, but when a woman, especially a mother, um, is, is affected, it means their family's affected too. So there's probably nobody here listening that doesn't know somebody who's had breast cancer. I mean, you can't say that about every other cancer. You really just can't. The fact of the matter is like breast cancer is one of the most prevalent cancers in the world and it's affecting so many people. And then women with dense breasts, it disproportionately affects um, black women, Asian women and Jewish women. So again, it's an equity problem too. You know, there, there needs to be more tools to better help to get to a faster diagnosis because it's also a cost. Like it's an insurance thing. It's a cost to the patient. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an uncertainty. The fact that if you have a questionable mammogram, then you maybe have to go back for a second one. Maybe then you have to go back for an ultrasound and then maybe an, an, an MRI. It's a lot of maybes and a lot of anxiety. And, you know, so, so obviously that's on the breast cancer side. It's the same process for any other part of the body for any other person. And having very accurate diagnosis, not diagnosis, but tools to be able to use in a diagnosis is incredibly important. And it's important for the doctors because, you know, they're tired, they need help, they want help. And that's, that's kind of where we come in almost as a workflow tool for them. That's interesting, Marissa. And you know, I want to talk a little bit more about DL Precise too. And now um, it's a it's a software, a data driven software, and it sounds like it integrates uh, with other diagnostic technologies on the market today. So, can you help our audience better understand how your software works? Yeah, of course. Give an example too there. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. of course. Yeah, of course. So we're a software technology that kind of overlays um, either directly onto almost the screen. Um, through our partnership with Barco, which is the largest manufacturer of medical monitors that are used all across the world. Um, so it overlays directly onto the screen. So whatever the radiologist is viewing and or we've integrated into other software technologies where they're being used for other things. 
And this is one of the two multiple tools that, that we are, that they are able to deploy um, as well. And so we integrate directly into all of these other companies, um, which is the benefit of our software. And we're integrated straight into the workflow <clears throat> so that people don't have to like, you don't have to go to 27 other screens to make this happen. This is not rendering something that's not live. Like this is live on your screen happening now. There's no sending data somewhere else and sending it back and waiting for the analysis to happen. That's not what this is. This is visualization directly onto your screen um, and across all of the, the imaging modalities. Okay, so you're not necessarily going to the hospital with your solution. You're going to other original equipment manufacturers that are developing these monitor and visualization technologies yeah, um, used exactly. in those. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And we're also integrating with other software companies. Mm -hmm. So we have partnership with um, with Arteris, which was purchased by Tempest, which is one of the largest AI companies in healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. Also with Blackford, um, that's integrated, uh, then was purchased by Bayer Healthcare. That's, you know, creating all of these radiology solutions as well. So we integrate, so we don't have a sales team. Our sales team is us, partnering with other either OEMs or software companies um, because they've done the hard work of getting into the hospitals. They need tools to put on their platforms and we're one of those tools. Mm -hmm. And where is the data coming from? Uh, and how are you compiling that data and leveraging the data to help these doctors make better decisions? Yeah, so we see no patient information. We see no patient um, data. We don't see any of that. None of it comes back to us, which is actually one of the benefits of why people like to uh, work with us and integrate with us. Um, we don't get their data. Um, no offense, we don't want it. Um, you know, all of these other companies, they do, um, and they get it. And so it's almost like one of the reasons, you know, is is, is it's their problem to deal with as a small company. Uh, it's a lot of hoops to to jump through, and so. Um, they deal with that. There's no, you know, especially because we're right directly on a screen. Like, I mean, it, it could be a JPEG. I don't need to know whose it is. Like, you know, it could be an image uh, from 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 years ago. Um, and the other exciting part of what we do is we can look at um, previous scans to see the growth evolution, hopefully none, um, uh, you know, of a mass. And, and it's really, we're not doing any analysis. There's no analysis being done. Like we're not gathering information. Um, this is, this is fixed software that's directly, you know, integrated and it's not, it's not learning. It's not sending information other places, which, yeah, which gives everyone data. like a sense of mind actually, which is why one of the, you know, one of our selling points for sure. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think though, obviously in the world of patient data and keeping it as private, right. As possible to follow certain guidelines and rules and regulations is necessary, but you're also leveraging this data again to help these doctors make better decisions. So, you know, that data, it sounds like though, it's, it's, it's built over time and the more images and the more scans that your data is seeing and the more it, it, that's what's going to allow your technology to evolve and become more accurate right over time. So that's in the future. That's okay. not what's happening right now. So right okay. now it's fixed deterministic software. It is not learning. It is not, it's not learning a thing. No learning yet. Okay. We, no. So, so in the future, our next yeah. product will be um, integrating machine learning. Um, and we, what we've done is we are teaching it through a very fixed um, known database from Emory University, the largest in the in the country and actually the world of known 
biopsied um, uh, mammography and also other health conditions. We're starting with mammo first uh, and breast cancer first. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking data that has ground truth that is known. It is not continuously learning. Again, that is the future and that is being built. And those are future products that will come out in 2024 and 2025. Um, but the technology that is FDA cleared now, there is zero learning happening. It's like the dumbest, no, I'm just kidding. It's not the dumbest software, but it's the, you know, it's the unlearning software. Sure. Um, it's the, it's the basics of technology and the basics of AI. And actually that's how physicians and radiologists um, and healthcare is going to start adopting, um, you know, AI and technology and it's one of the tenets that we very much believe in, because if you don't have a known truth, where do you, where do you go from there? You know, it's really hard. And that's why having this ground truth, having deterministic software, having it not change over time, you can come back in six years, it's going to be the same. That's amazing. And Marissa, we might have uh, uh, disclosed some information there about the future of your technology that's okay. early in the show, <laughs> um, but that'll keep the people hanging on for more. That's for sure. Um, but I think we hit a lot about the solution here. And Richard, I think about that go-to-market strategy, right? Um, aligning with their solution, who their ideal customer is and um, how their technology works and how it's being leveraged today in the market. You know, I know that you're obviously, we're always talking about go-to-market strategy. I feel like that's a good one. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, we home on the, the oncology, focusing on breast cancer. You know, what else do we need to know about the strategy in terms of how you're taking this to market? Yeah, so we we are partnering, as I said, with other software technology companies um, and also other, you know, OEMs. And that's really important for us because we're a small company. You know, they've done the hard work of getting out everywhere and, and having the solutions. All of these other companies are also looking for um, other add-ons other, you know, on their platform. And we're one of those. And every time we have a new product, we're an additional add-on, which is really exciting. And that's obviously how we generate revenue as well. And so, you know, our go-to-market is enabling our partners to, to, to get out there and sell the products um, in different health areas um, around the world. And these are tools that are just they're needed there. It's like, it's like everyone skipped. You went from like the basics to like the really complex and like you, you kind of forgot about the middle. Um, and, and that's where we are. And, and we're grateful to, to kind of almost fill that slot, like the mammography machines. We need the people who are scoring and creating these risk scores. We need these um, other tools that are creating like a region of interest we need all of those so that we can kind of slot in and do our job too. So we all need to work together. And, and it's almost like a puzzle piece, like all fitting together. Um, and this one's been missing. And that's kind of how we slot in. It's funny. You have that analogy of like, you know, fitting on top. I always thought like you're like this part of a cake. You know, you've got the, the imaging component and you've got like the risk component and the detection. And as you say, you're just fitting this final piece of the ingredient that brings it all together to make this perfect, perfect blend. Uh, and that data analytics, the deep analytics that you're providing. Uh, I'm imagining you've, you've had some exciting feedback from physicians and care professionals. What's that been like so far? We have, it's been exciting. They, you know, first and foremost, this is a workflow tool. So it's really helpful for them to be able to, um, you know, really focus on the hard cases. The easy cases, like they don't need to necessarily utilize us and it, it enables them to be like, mm, no, that's nothing, no big deal. Like they, you know, they scroll over, like, I don't see anything, it's fine. Or it hasn't grown. That's that's helpful for them, especially as we get past mammography into the other areas where in liver, in lung, in thyroid, everybody has nodules. 
every time you have to measure them, you have to make sure that they haven't grown. If you could do that really quickly with one click, that's a workflow tool. That's really easy for them to be able to do as a, and then they can focus on the hard things. So those are the, that's some of the exciting feedback. Um, they also really love the colorization, um, which just shows the density. So um, if there's not much colorization, it doesn't show, you know, there's no really density. Cancer is hot, it's dense. And so that's what it shows. It shows a dense core with other layers around it. Um, and it's just a visual tool for them to help understand maybe what a mass looks like. And they can scroll throughout, you know, all the different um, layers in it. So that's that's the exciting feedback that we've gotten. And, and they want to continue having it in, in other modalities and other areas too. That's great to hear. And Kyle, I know we always touch on the regulatory pathway and, and Marissa's actually, you know, one of the lucky with their company actually already being FDA approved. So much further down the track. Yeah, I know. And I was actually thinking about that, Marissa. You know, I believe Deep Look Medical founded in 2019. Is that correct? Yeah, it was founded in 19 and we got our clearance in 2021 for, yeah, for that... the first product, DL Precise. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is pretty quick, you know. It was even before me. I mean, it, which is which is amazing. I was only an advisor then, so it's it's really exciting. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that really is exciting. And uh, you know, what allowed you to move then so fast because in the world of medtech, we see a lot of companies bringing their technology product to market, but it doesn't move as quickly. And so, I mean, what was that regulatory journey like? And I'm sure it was, you know, one of many part pieces that allowed you to move quickly, but you know, how did that impact, you know, the that quick um, fast track to market? Yeah, so um, we were able to have a 510K off of a predicate. And um, so that allowed us to um, not have all of the very, very deep clinical studies that sometimes need to be done. Additionally, because our software is not technically, you know, learning um and it's you know fixed software code just like every other you know software code that's out there then um they understood it really quickly again it's just automating something that's done manually and so that's kind of almost the most basic of it and so that's how we were able to get clearance um quite honestly it was before i really even arrived so uh, i mean i think it's a whole lot of like luck and skill and um, we didn't really, we didn't start commercializing until this year in, in reality. And so it's taken, you know, time to, you know, we needed the clearance so that we can go after the partnerships, you know, for us to, uh, you know, go to market. And so that's, that's the exciting part. And, and we were, we were blessed to, because we got our clearance uh, so, so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And, and I guess then, you know, you made some comments about, you know, future capabilities of your software, right? And that learning aspect, can you touch on what has to happen from a regulatory standpoint, I guess, as you embark on uh, possibly offering the learning aspect of your technology? Yeah, the learning aspect it, uh, will also be um, decision supportive. So uh, we will go be going after an, an additional 510K. Um, okay. So that will be in the future. Um, that's slated for early next year. Um, we do have our second product that we'll be launching early next year, which um, is is just simply, again, a visual tool. It's a, a morphology matching, and that's where we're going, um, and then eventually to, the, to decision support. So yeah, we have secondary regulatory filings. We will be going to Europe for CE mark. We're also going to be utilizing our 510K, our existing clearance, um, into other ge geographies as well. So um, other ones that accept it, UK, Canada, Israel, Mexico, Singapore. So kind of expanding on that side of things. Um, and so uh, lots of lots of regulatory work. Uh, our regulatory team will be very happy about that. So, um, you know, there's a lot in the future. 
which is which is really exciting because listen, we want to get this technology out to as many people as possible. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't come without challenges. Yep. And Richard, we know. Oh yeah, so I'm kind of interested. Like you know, you've covered the FDA hurdle again for a lot of people when you're a startup. You know, that's the, all you see in front of you is the FDA approval. But you're past that now. So what's that next challenge on the horizon for you? So the next one is to really start going into different health areas. And so we want to make sure that we have the clinical efficacy to be able to, to, to really prove to the physicians why this is important. Um, you know, FDA clearance is one thing. Getting physician adoption is another. And so we're going after um, some of those studies, um, not necessarily clinical studies, but just, you know, general studies to, um, to get that efficacy data and to show it in different areas and modalities. Um, so that's the challenge. Obviously, uh, commercialization is actually always the hardest part. Uh, regulatory is one part of it. Getting commercial is a whole nother. Um, and that's one of the reasons we've partnered with some of these larger companies to help us do that. Um, and that's why it's taken, you know, two years from our clearance to actually get there. Um, and so those are the challenges that are the future, um, which they're all doable and all exciting and um, and, and and really developing this, the products that the patients want and the patients for us, it's not actually the patients, you know, our customers are the physicians. Eventually they will be the actual patients, but um, right now it's the hospitals and the physicians who are our customers. And so in terms of those challenges, are you looking overseas? You know, what's the horizon for developing this into international territories? Yeah, so we're keeping all development um, internal, and then um, we're going to be scaling commercially uh, external. So that's where our regulatory teams and sales and marketing teams start uh, start picking up uh, with our partners. Um, and so we're 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 signing, and we've signed license agreements with them, so that they they handle all of that for us to grow and to scale. Amazing. Well, Kyle, it sounds like they're hitting like a bunch of milestones already, and and you know the the ones lined up are already falling well into place, and I. I'm surprised, Marissa, you almost downplayed your own role in this because you were clearly providing some great advice early on, the fact that they got the FDA approval and you're now hitting home runs going forward. But yeah, Kyle, lots of exciting things coming up. I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking about how fast uh, Deep Look has moved with their technology and how much progress you've made over you know just a, a few years. Um, so what does that, I guess, six to 18 months look like? You know, what are you thinking for major milestones? What are you striving towards? I know you just mentioned the general studies improving efficacy, um, but what else can the market and the world expect to see from Deep Look Medical? Yeah, for sure. So we'll be obviously having, you know, greater expansion into other health areas, which is exciting news for us. We will be going after our secondary product, which is the 510K for decision support, uh, we will be going after, of course, tertiary products, which is bringing into uh, bringing in the precision medicine and the AI and the machine learning as well. Um, we will be expanding, you know, regulatorily, um, which means sales outside of the U.S. Um, and then in the 16 to 18 month horizon, uh, we're looking forward to an acquisition, actually, uh, where uh, we are anticipating that we would be acquired um, by uh, potentially one of our customers and or, um, you know, somebody else on the market. Um, this is a great, great tuck in technology. Um, and that's really, you know, I think it's really it's weird, I think, for people to hear that, to be like, mm, what? They're creating a technology to be purchased. There's some companies that are made to grow and continue to expand. And then there's some, some companies that are made to be acquired mm -hmm. and to leverage these larger companies um, and their infrastructure. We're the one that was made to be acquired. And um, this is a great technology to put into the portfolio to of a larger company 
to continue to grow and scale it out to everybody. Yeah, I think those are really great points. Um, and I know from working uh, with a number of medical device manufacturers throughout the world that, you know, having, you know, a technology or having something that's innovative that allows them and gives them a competitive edge over other players in the market is always something that these OEMs are looking for. Um, so it's really neat. And I would totally, it, it makes a ton of sense. If I am in an OEM producing display imaging technology, how am I going to be better? How am I going to bring the best product to market? That's, you know, going to give me a competitive advantage over my competition. I would most likely think about acquiring DL precise and have in mm -hmm. aligning that, that technology uh, with the product. So it makes a, a ton of sense. Um, and um, I'm sure it takes a team too. It does. So. Yeah. yeah, it does. And we're, we're very lucky. Uh, we have one of the founders um, who stayed on with us. Um, I've brought in um, some really great uh, executives from the GE team um, uh, to join us. Our chief medical officer as well, who's uh, Harvard, MIT, has also worked in businesses, uh, which is which is exciting. Um, and so we're working to surround ourselves. We also, listen, given our pathway, it's really hard to employ people full time. So we use a lot of consultants to help us grow. And I think that that's a more scalable and also cost-effective way as a, as a small startup company that's continuously raising money, um, you know, for us to mitigate our cash as well and to get the jobs done. I, I am a consultant. Like I came from that. I have a, you know, I started a consulting firm uh, nine years ago. So like, I believe in the business and um, I think it's a best utilization of resources. So um, we're bringing in the best to support us. Our board is incredibly supportive. Our advisors are incredible. Um, and we leverage them really, uh, you know, as much as we can, because, you know, it's great to put your name, uh, you know, to, to, to tie on to a company. But if you're one of our advisors, like we want your advice. Like that's why we have you here. Um, and, and, and we do ask that you, you do help us. Um, and so that's kind of some of the ways we've kind of assembled some incredible uh, team members around us. Well, it sounds like the perfect modern startup, you know, agile, lean, you know, you've got a really strong core team, but you're able to adapt and partner with the right people. Have you found that within your network? Have you been looking outside your network to find the people you want? Yeah, both. So inside my network um, and outside um, asking others, um, going to, to people that I've known for years and have never really, you know, I've had a relationship with them and then never called on them for eight years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, great. Like I need a regulatory consultant. Now I'm going to call you. And it's, it's one of those things, like that's the power of the network. That's the power of, you know, always having these connections. You never know when they're going to be necessary. And listen, like, uh, you know, as a, as a CEO of the company, it's my responsibility also to raise us capital. You know, these are people that I've known for years. I've never called on them. I've actually worked with them on the other side of the transactions. So it's, uh, it's, it's utilizing everybody and also asking for help. I think, uh, I think really good leaders need to ask for help and ask their network, ask the people that are in the network, ask their advisors, ask the board, ask the team members, um, for the help because it should never be a one person show and it needs to be, um, you know, everybody has to work together to get to the ultimate goal. Yeah. And that's such a great point you make around investors. And, and we speak a lot about, you know, choosing the right investors and actually a huge value add can be when you pick the right investors who can be your advisors, who can come in and, you know, grow that network and provide the right connections. And so how do you find that experience for the people uh, behind Deeply Medical? 
Yeah, we're very lucky with our investors, um, and uh, we have some of the some some great ones. Uh, we're based in Connecticut, so we have a great core in Connecticut that have been really supportive of us as well. So we're grateful for that, and it's a great ecosystem there. Um, but I also have to say, like as a woman CEO, it's actually not the easiest. Um, and I think that that really needs to start changing. Um, and I speak about that a lot. Um, there's a lot of us speaking about it. It's slowly starting to change, but it's not changing fast enough. Um, and the fact of the matter is there's a lot of women CEOs. There's a lot of women's health companies. There's a lot of healthcare companies that focus on women. Um, there's not enough money coming to us. And um, that needs to change quite dramatically. And, and it's something that we've been seeing uh, quite extensively. And, and you know, ha as a woman CEO, I get questioned more than a man does. And it's not, it's not an emotional thing that I'm saying this. There is hard facts to back that up. Um, and it, that, that needs to change. And I think everyone needs to be cognizant that that is a problem and that it does need to change and they need to be part of the solution. Yeah, very well said. I think actively taking decisions about being positive towards helping people is so important in this stage. Uh, and Kyle, it sounds like, you know, Marissa's been in the industry for a while, but has some great advice to share for entrepreneurs and, and founders uh, across the board. Yeah, I mean, already she was sharing some great advice. I think asking for help, right? Surrounding yourself with the right people um, uh, is very important. But I guess what else would you say, Marissa? I mean, in in especially to you know other female entrepreneurs out there that might be experiencing what you've experienced and what you you're seeing today. What kind of advice, I guess, do you do you have for them? Yeah, I think um, listen, there's a there's a big network of us, and it continues to grow day by day, and that's the really exciting part. Like find us, talk to us, um, and also it's not just women. Like we have to bring in the men, the allies, to join us. Um, I don't believe in only women teams. I don't believe in only men teams. I believe, you know, when we talk about equity and equality, it's, it's that, it's 50-50, it's equal, it's joined, and it's not one over the other. Um, but it's absolutely been proven that, you know, when you have women in executive management positions, the companies perform better. So, I mean, to me, it's just intelligent. So what advice is, seek out the allies, seek out the women's network, seek out um, you know, the, the men network, seek, seek everybody out who can help you and focus almost less on the problem, more on the solution. Um, one of the things that I've found is, is, you know, you have to focus, you have to, if you're speaking to all men, you have to speak like men, what they're going to understand. You know, if I'm speaking to all women, it's sometimes a different discussion and it's not one's better, one's worse. It's just a different discussion. Women care about the problem. Men care about the solution. So when you're speaking to a mixed audience, speak to both. Um, and I think those are the things that are important. And, and honestly, I've, I've been finding it myself. Um, and I'm not certainly not perfect at it because I actually like to talk about the problem um, because it's a big problem. Cancer is a big problem. Visualization of soft tumor masses is a problem. Um, it just, there aren't enough solutions. Um, radiologists being exhausted, it's a problem. They need solutions. Like, that's what needs to be spoken about. That's yeah, that's that's all very legit right there, Marissa. There's no doubt. Um, but I don't think there could be anyone better leading Deep Look Medical, right? Than you, especially, and a woman leader who understands and really can empathize and know the challenges of your anatomy and and what it takes 
to provide better outcomes. I think those are all really uh, valuable uh, to the audience. So thank you for that. I know you've already touched on some of the things looking ahead in terms of being acquired and companies outlook over long-term horizon. What about personally? Like, what would you like to do? Because I think you've got this great experience. You're obviously passionate about medtech. You know, what's the long-term career path for Marissa after this? Yeah, well, first and foremost, selling this company. So yes, that's on the horizon. Um, I'll go back, uh, and I haven't stopped it actually, into venture and into investing, investing in women's health. Um, I always have continued it. Um, I will continue it. Um, so that's very much where um, I will be and making sure that um, equity and equality is continued um, to be spread. I, I also run a global nonprofit focused on women's health in developing countries. These types of technologies need to be accessible for everybody, not just in the US and in Europe. And so we need to make sure that these incredible technologies get spread around the world. And so those are the things that I'll, I'll continue until I don't know, until the bus runs me over in Manhattan. That's uh, <laughs> that. That's when it'll stop. <laughs> well, we're hoping that doesn't happen, of course. Yeah, we're hoping I, not. I mean, that, yeah. that is a great mission. And I'm sure we can all buy into that in terms of taking technologies to all parts of the world and making them truly accessible. Yeah, that's that's the important part. And, you know, we have to understand that we live in this small microcosm of where we are and what we're doing and in this med tech space. But there's an entire, you know, I think everyone knows this. There's a whole world out there. And uh, unfortunately, women don't have access to healthcare. And, um, you know, as we're getting smaller technologies and as we're getting more digitalized, um, it's exciting that there's access and potential access to everybody else. And so, um, and that's what also at DeepLook we're, we're working to do. We want to make sure that the, our technology is accessible for everybody. Um, and that's important. It's important, I think, for every company needs to put that kind of in their mindset as well, because then, then it's, you know, profits are important, of course. But it's profits and an impact, which is obviously, you know, what you guys talk about so much, like it's an impact to the world. It's an impact to people everywhere. And that's that's the exciting part. Yeah, well, it definitely makes a lot of sense with your whole business model and your mission and how you're trying to enable folks to have access to your technology, especially through strategic partnerships and hopefully, you know, an exciting new acquisition at some point. Um, so, Marissa, how do folks listening today and, you know, reach out to you, get in touch with you, whether it's for business or anything, you know, we'll, we'll, how do they get in touch with you? So I'm on LinkedIn, Marissa Fayer. That one's pretty obvious. Um, uh, also at DeepLook. So it's marissa.fayer, F-A-Y-E-R, at deeplookmedical.com. Um, and I'm I'm reachable and accessible um, there, LinkedIn, everywhere on my website, um, on our website. So deeplookmedical.com. Um, yeah, I'm almost uh, tied to my phone, which is horrible. And I wish I wasn't as much, but I'm reachable. I'm perfect. <laughs> like us all. Um, exactly no really have to be sure to take some mental health breaks from it though that's important yeah brilliant Nursa. Uh, again it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show uh, I know you've got so many exciting things coming up that when we're releasing this episode I'm sure there could be some exciting news coming out but just thank you again for joining us today it's been an absolute delight thank you so much for having me Awesome. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another huge thank you to Marissa Fair, CEO of Deep Look Medical. Uh, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the MedTech Impact Podcast. I'm Kyle Cruz. And I'm Richard Mikuljohn. Until next time, keep innovating. <laughs>